The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. We're back for more baseball talk. We're talking fantasy aspects of rule changes, a little bit about the closer pool, and some intriguing early ADP thoughts. All coming up, uh, coming up next. Happy Sunday evening, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are sponsored by Fantrax, the most customizable free commissioner service in fantasy sports, and also by Underdog Fantasy, home of the biggest best ball contest in the industry. I'm Scott Jensta, joined as always on Sunday nights by Jeff Erickson. Uh, if you could please rate and review the podcast if you enjoy listening to us, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Jeff, it's uh, it's February. Uh, we're talking baseball. How's everything? Hey, we're talking baseball. It's good. Yeah, it's a good thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, don't to have to, about. we don't have to commiserate about championship game losses this week, so it's perfect. Didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, basketball's not happening either. We won't talk about that either. Yeah, Although let's, let's not let's not go there today. There was a fun trade. I'll say that. That was fun. Yeah. So I, nobody wants to hear me talk about basketball, but is it amazing that the the Nets owner pretty much said, "I'm going to trade Kyrie, but I refuse to trade him," and the Lakers where he wants to go? Yeah. Um, is that amazing? He actually the actual report is that he would refuse to trade him there because of he wanted to go there. I I just I love the pettiness. Yeah, I do too. The NBA never fails. Yeah, never it's, fails. It's amazing. Uh, there's so many different ways. Um, and yeah, you know, you're you live in LA. I live in LA, and neither of us are fans of the Lakers, and that makes it even better. Yeah, it's uh, they would have been really, uh, really tough if he had gotten there. So, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I'll save the base for the basketball talk for Twitter or something. But uh, yeah. let's jump into baseball. I got some uh, some stuff I want to talk to you about. I know you wrote an article about the uh, the twenty twenty three rule changes that we have and kind of how yeah. it affects um, the fantasy la- the fantasy impact fantasy landscape here. Um, you wrote the article. It was uh, I think it was last week, January thirtieth. I'm looking at it here. Uh, did you have any major takeaways from that? Before we get into each one of each of the rules are, I mean, we got the we have the bases, we have the throwovers, and the pitch clock. Uh, we got a new ball. Uh, did you come out with anything that you're really like, you know, dramatically altering your projections or changing your draft strategy? Not dramatically. Um, I, at first, I was against all of them. Okay, I, I'm warming up to some of the notions here. Um, I, I do think you know I, the Clay Link Joe Sheehan approach of it will have a smaller impact. Than you might, than we might think, is probably the likely uh, outcome for a couple of reasons. One, you know, just unintended consequences, and two, te- teams and players make adjustments. You know, you're not allowed to shift uh, dramatically as we did in the past. There are shift restrictions, but they'll figure something out. Maybe they'll put have a guy sprint as soon as the guy releases a pitch or something like that. You know, there'll be 
you know, we won't see Manny Machado in right field anymore. So, okay, that's fine. Um, but I, I think like the pitch clock, for instance, I'm not, I, I'm pretty much anti-pitch clock because I want to, from the standpoint that I want to, I just, I don't mind a long day at the ballpark. You know, I, I, I like baseball. I want more of it. Uh, I can't stand when rights holders complain about the length of games when, and here, here's another commercial break. We're going to, and we're going to insert this commercial during the, uh, the broadcast too. That's my new favorite one there is like, there's like yeah. a 10, 15 second, 10 second commercial during the live broadcast. Not when they go yeah. to commercial break, just stop already. Um, they're just commercializing the heck out of everything. So I, it falls on deaf ears to me when they complain about the pace of play, when they do that sort of stuff and they monetize on the other hand. Uh, that said, I'm warming up a little bit to the pitch clock because I do think it's going to be a little bit more interesting in terms of what that does to pitchers. In terms of they can't, you know, sometimes holding a runner is hold, hold, yeah. hold the ball. Okay, I'll do this lazy slop toss over to first base. That's gone, by the way. They're only allowed two free pickoff moves, and then the third one you either have to get them or it's a balk. So you're going to see a lot of best moves right away from these pitchers, yep. which means more pickoffs, means more balks. Now, is that two moves with the same at bat? Is that two moves with the guys the same? Like, if the guy's still second, are your do your moves reset? I don't even know. That I don't know. I think okay. I always thought it was per plate appearance, but it's probably per base or something. You would I think so, right? Because if you steal second, you've got to like you can't not have pitch move, uh, moves to do there. But do you do you see stolen bases going up a lot? Obviously, the bigger bases in the minor leagues they test this. You know, it went up a pretty significant percentage in the minor leagues. I don't yeah. think we'll see anywhere near that in the majors. But how do you feel about in terms of do you think stolen bases are going? Way up, a little bit up, not up at all. And then B, up, how do you definitely. how do you change? Uh, does that change how you draft at all? I think the pickoff rule is more impactful than the size of the base. I think okay. the size of the base helps because you can stay on the bag longer, e- easier to stay on the bag, more to reach for, slightly shorter path to get there. Yeah. Uh, but I think the bigger factor, and I know everything is you know granular, you know it's optimized down to the near the, the hundredths of an inch. But at the same, so it will matter a little bit, but. I really think the pickoff rule is big. I think it is going to raise up stolen bases. I, but I think it might. I don't think it'll be a, a lifts all boats sort of thing, but it will be fair. I mean, you know, the guys that are the best at stealing bases, the teams that are best at stealing bases, are going to definitely benefit more. Do you um, have certain? You may, you say li- not going to lift all boats. Do you have certain boats that you think are going to be more impacted? When I looked at it, I kind of thought like if you're Aldebaran to Mondesi, like you're probably running crazy anyway. Anyway, right. so for me, it's like that in the middle guys. It's those you know, 10 to 15 stone base guys that I think might boost up maybe a little bit, the 15 to 20 guys, them too. I think it's kind of the middle guys. Like, you know, Carlos Correa is not stealing bases either way, but it's those, right. uh, those exactly. middle guys who steal eight to 13, eight to 15, maybe they get 18 to 23. And that's a pretty big difference for those guys. Yeah. It's like when we talk about how Coors Field helps bat- batting average a ton, but it doesn't help Ben Petrick improve right. his batting average. Wow. A name I was sure we were not going to talk about tonight. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to think of Rockies catchers, and there's another one. Brent Maine is a better example. Oh. You know, if you're a bad hitter, you're still a bad hitter. Yep. But a good hitter benefits from Coors Field. Same thing with this. If you're a good base stealer, you know how to get a good jump, and you've got the speed, it's going to help you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think it is the middle tier. I think the upper tier, too. I mean, they may just get a – you know, they already got a green light, but it's just that much easier for them to get there. So as you're drafting, does it affect how do you, are you, do you not, do you not care as much about the big stone base guys? Can you get more from everybody? Or do you think you just need more in general? Like, how are you, how are you altering your draft strategy and then knowing that there's another, I don't know, 12 to 14% of stone bases? In the field? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I'm not quite sure yet. My guess is it's like when Liz and I were talking about when a category is plentiful, you need more of it. 
Yep. It's, it's not the, you have to be more competitive in that arena as opposed to when, you're, you know, sometimes people prioritize the scare, scares categories. It's I think the, you need 20, the, 2019, the, ones. the 2019 home run argument, right? To yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's closer. I don't think it's going to be to that scale, but I do think we're going to need to get, you know, think about it a little bit more. I do think there's, I also do think though, it might steer me away from the specialists, you know, the, you know, Adelbert Amadisi, for yeah. instance, I might be less inclined to go for because others he, he's not going to be head and shoulders ahead of everybody else this year. So last year the uh, last year the leading stolen base guy was uh, Jorge Mateo with thirty five. Uh, what number leads the majors this year? Forty five. All right, that's so that's that's about it's, it seems about it seems fair there. Mateo at thirty five. Cedric Mullins had 34, Edmund and Rosemary had 32, and then Bobby Witt had 30. I think John Birdie was in there somewhere. He didn't qualify, though, so I need to change change my search here. But uh, So Birdie was right up there, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, 35 was still the lead, right? Oh, no, Birdie had 41. I'm sorry. He didn't qualify in there. So 41. So you're going to go, like, a little higher than that, 48, 49, somewhere in there? Uh, maybe, yeah, although Birdie was a weird case there, too. That was a fun, a fun six weeks. Those uh, <laughs> those Birdie bags were nice for six weeks, though. I wish it had held on a little they bit sucked. longer. I hated them. I didn't have any of them. They certainly did the job. Everybody, you know, it's, it's, it sucked that he, like, he got hurt and all that, but like he yeah. did plenty for, for that for that range. It's even better he did it in like, that, that quick time amount of time. You don't have to play him for that much. Better for, for you. I didn't his get him four, His four home runs and 28 RBI. You know, they had to, you had to stomach those, but when you're stealing a base every other day, it was, it was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, then again, I had a lot of Michael Harris, and that was pretty sweet. So we all have our guys that we had. Good tease for someone we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, so what about the shift um, in terms of batting average? I think that uh, the the overwhelming thought is that lefties who have been you know pounding the ball into that uh, into that shift with you know like you said Manny Machado playing in right field. You see Anthony Rizzo, you see Matt Olson, these you know power hitters that you know hit these laser one hoppers into right field and they're outs. Like how much do you think the the batting average gets affected? I know you mentioned that maybe you know if they're going to have the guy in second base, maybe he can start moving over right away. Um, although it takes some athleticism to do that. It'll be yeah. interesting to see if guys can. You got to run and stop and then adjust on the fly. It's a little bit different than being being ready uh, ready for the play. I mean, there's a reason that guys are you know stand you know standing there ready. Um, how do you think? How much do you think? Do you think this shit, it really affects lefty hitters that we're looking at? You think there's some righty hitters too? Like, how do you think the how do you think the batting average uh, moves based on this? I think it's definitely going to help the lefties. Um, I think it's left-handed pull hitters are going to definitely benefit the yeah. most. Uh, I, I you know Jason Collette back in September, and I linked to his car- article on this identified those who uh, were hurt by the shift the most and, you know, used XBA minus BA to kind of as a starting point there. Um, you know, it, you know, there, there could be like teams have a ways of adapting, you know, and that, that I think, I think it'll be significant maybe early on. Um, although, you know, we'll see. I mean, are, do players hit the ball with less exit velocity in April than they do in June? That's so, you know, that, that's the other thing is like, how quickly, you know, sometimes maybe the lack of exit velocity in April will cover up some of that a, a right. little bit. Um, you know, it's going to be the most painful part of the shift is every announcer, may, every time there's a hit in the hole, oh, we got rid of the shift. That's a hit. It's going to be so painful. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, it's so refreshing to see yeah. that. Or, Luckily, you know. I don't think we get John Smoltz until late in the year, but he would be all over that every time there's a ground ball. So I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I won't miss that. But there's going to be a lot of uh, annoying announcer comments about the shift the first month or so. Yeah. Well, especially because the shortstop's going to stand right at second base a lot of yeah. times. He just has to have the two feet on his side of the diamond at, at, when the pitcher is on the mound. The one thing you can't do. And the though, infielder has to be on the dirt, correct? Correct. One just, foot, on the, one the foot pit, on the dirt? I think so. Okay. Um, and then I, it might be two feet. But uh, the, the other thing, though, is like you can't like 
push guys back, like okay there's a lefty up let's put let's have he uh let's have Machado and the second baseman switch watch you can't do that either. oh you can't do that either interesting no. but you oh. can put a fifth outfielder in the infield for like late game situations yeah. and okay. I think you might do it a little earlier I know there, uh, there's a Gordon Wittenmeyer uh the Chicago Sun Times wrote an article maybe the White Sox are going to experiment that, with that you're going to see a lot of experimentation in spring training. They don't, they, don't have three, they don't have three guys to play the outfield anyway, so you might as well just play with two, right? Exactly. Exactly. Have have Eli go play buck short for a little bit. You might can't play the outfield anyway. We're perfect. Yeah. Uh, but and Luis Dude. Robert can catch anything too. So there's that. Yeah, there you go. How um how weird do the bases look? I like I have seen a couple minor league clips of it and they look kind of like cartoony bases. How quick do you think we'll get used to the size of the bases like to the eye on TV? Well, in person, I didn't notice. Oh, you didn't notice at, first, you were, at Arizona. Did you Arizona? Okay. Uh, I, I just literally didn't notice. Uh, but maybe if I had been like focusing on that, I might have. That that says a lot, though. It means it's not like obviously stupid to look at. No. Or, okay, that's no, good. I, I didn't think so. I, I really don't think the base size is going to matter that much. I think I really think the the throw over rule is way more important. So with the pitch timer, I don't know if you know it. Whatever it's it's fifteen seconds or twenty seconds when there's guys on base. Is there like a giant like NFL you know or, or NBA shot clock? The guys so like. Well, a batter, a batter on base, be able to look up and it'll see be like one. an NFL play clock. There's not so going to be a the, buzzer. The runner can like be a one. He can just go. Yeah, and, and the the other thing is a batter must be in the batter's box by eight seconds and be ready to face the pitch. Okay. Too. No more, um, somewhere, no more. Garcia Perez is having huge nightmares about that. Yeah. Two years ago, they implemented this in the fall league, and it was kind of annoying. Spencer Torkelson was at the plate against. Uh, I, remember, I remember we talked about that one. Yeah, another a Philly pitcher or whatever. I was sitting there with Keith Law, and we we were kind of venting on it. Um, and they called like, it was a, uh, actually, I think I'm, I'm conflating two stories here. Uh, but anyhow, I was sitting with Keith and like, you know, there was like a one time an automatic strike, another time an automatic walk. And it became like this ump show a little bit. And another scout turns around to Keith and goes, are you going to write about this S? <laughs> um, and then there's another time, like it was Torkelson versus a Phillies prospect. And I forget which one, which one, but it was a pretty significant one. It was like, we all want to see this confrontation. Right. And instead it was three, two and. Torkelson got called out with the automatic strike. I'm like, yeah, that's horrible. We're not here for that. No. And I, I'm afraid there is going to be a game. Oh, there's going to be some, some umpire is going to want to make a point and, and call it for sure. Um, yeah, I don't love that either. I I don't love the, um, I forget, Ishmael Valdez used to be bad at it, but like, I, don't lo- I, I don't mind the long baseball games either, but I hate the pitchers that take forever to. Um, yeah. There's a Dodgers reliever recently. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Kelly Jansen. Oh, I was thinking the, the setup. Oh, guy. oh, I know who you're talking about, Baez. Oh, yeah, Pedro Baez was horrible. Yeah, yeah. There's an there's an extreme there where you're like, oh my god, throw the ball. It's just so painful. Right. So that uh, that'll be interesting. What about uh, what hold about on these- one, one sec before oh, yeah, you go, ask? Yeah, yeah, go. I would I would say the other thing about the pitch clock too is end of games, late close, late tight games. That's where it's really going to be. You know, closers are notorious for just slowing the game down. So there's That's no like, there's no like NFL like the rules change in the last two minutes or like you know, it's it, the whole it's the whole way through then. Right, it's the whole okay. way through. We'll see how it's enforced. I'm dreading like, okay, freeze it. It says seven point eight seconds. We haven't gotten to eight seconds yet, and they called it. You know, we're gonna get like replays on like. Right, pitch clock or something like that. Do you know if you're allowed to re- review that or not? I don't know if you're. Allowed. I, I, I doubt it. That would be. Horrible. I would highly doubt it. Yeah, but that'd be horrible. You know, someone's gonna say, "See, see, he got it wrong." Just like you see, like with the play clock in the NFL. Yeah, I was gonna say we, we, we should have to do that zero. extra, that effort, that extra second because the NBA it's like that lights on and it's done. In the NFL, it's like they count that extra second all that the Aaron, time. The Aaron Rodgers thing happens yeah, all the time. Always. Yeah. 
So, uh, so I want to ask you about uh, like new stadium dimensions. There's a, there's a yeah. couple of new ones. We've got, uh, we have Toronto that moved in like the right center field fence, a good amount, but the walls went up. Um, you know, I think we're a little, uh, a little hyper, uh, hyper cognizant of it now because of how different Baltimore was last year. Like hundred percent. Cause we were always like, Oh yeah, they're moving walls, whatever. But Baltimore like significantly changed how their ballpark played last year. That I think once we saw the pictures, like in March last year, we're like, Oh my God, that's like a huge chunk that is now in play. Um, we got we saw to the that, overlays too. Yeah. And, yeah. And even the overlays, you're like, Oh, it seems pretty weird. But like, once you saw the actual, like where it was, you're like, Oh my God, Camden looks totally different. You visualize all those home runs in the first, you know, all those uh, Glaber Torres home runs in the first five rows. But yeah. um, Detroit moved their wall in about 10 feet in center field. Toronto had uh, a bunch of changes kind of up and down and then um, in right center field, New York uh, in city field, the Mets um, are bringing in a, a big section of right field. So um, do you, uh, do you, pay attention to these when you're when you're drafting hitters sure. like are you like oh i'm in the 26th round and brandon belt's a lefty in toronto like maybe i just take a shot here or um is it kind of little things like that or are you actually factoring in pretty big based on what happened in baltimore last year yeah um i i'm going to uh, guess that it's uh about I, I like riley green i bumped up a little bit like the article that i cited uh in the detroit free press i think it's free press uh talked about how lefties got killed and they showed an example like right uh uh, Riley Green getting robbed by a play. Yeah. The funny thing is, so they're moving center field in 10 feet, and they're also lowering the fences in center, right, center, and right. Uh, but it's still the second deepest center field in baseball. It went from yeah. first to second. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, there's there's balls that go out to die out there. We've seen it for many, many years. I have nightmares of the A's playing Detroit and losing some home runs there, too. I think Josh Reddick was the one lost a home run out there, too. Yeah. But, um It'll be interesting. I think Toronto looked like the one that's maybe the the most drastic, but let uh, me just see what we get. And sometimes you get weird things that, and we'll note it. We won't notice it for the first month and a half or right. so. But yeah, lefties in uh, lefties in Toronto. I mean, they traded away two of their you know two of their righty hitters too. So maybe they're factoring it in too. They traded for Varsho and traded away Tioscar and, and Lourdes Gurriel. So maybe they're thinking about it also. But they're also thinking outfield defense a lot. They brought in Kiermaier. They traded for Varsho. They cited outfield defense as a yeah. reason. Uh, they're raising the fences in some areas. They're moving it in one area, but out another. They're making it asymmetrical. So they're counting on like these funky uh, triples alley type bounces and things like that. And other teams not to be able to adjust as quickly as their own outfielder. So uh, it's it's going to be definitely one to watch. I don't think it plays purely as a pro offensive or pro defensive move. Like the, the raising the fences could hurt Vlad because he gets all those line drives. Yeah. That's a good point too. It'll be uh, it'll be fun. I like that baseball stadiums are different. I know some people hate the yeah. fact that everything's different. I like that all that stuff's different. Lastly, before we jump into some player talk here, um, do you when you're drafting, you're doing your projections? I know you're you're having to this now. Do you take the the ball into account at all? I know last year we had the humidor, and that was obviously made a big difference. Put it in all thirty stadiums. Um, I am one who doesn't even try and guess on the ball because there's no way. I don't think that Rob Manfred knows how to change the ball, so I don't think I can <laughs> really I can really impact right. it myself. If they want to tweak it, I still think they'll mess it up. So I'm just, I'm not taking account, but it's something that I watch early on in the year. I mean, I know April has less offense anyway, but I think that you can tell. I mean, you can tell watching games yeah. from difference between 2019 and 2022. It was pretty obvious when guys hit, you know, kind of hard hit balls to right field that were caught, you know, 10 feet in front of the fence that were gone a couple of years ago. And then you, we watch enough games we can tell, but it's something I'm not going to factor in, but maybe I'll adjust uh, kind of on the fly as we go. But I don't, I don't try to get into factoring that because I just, there's no way for me to know. Yeah, I threw my hands up in the air this year. Yeah. Um, especially when you heard the reports that there were two different balls last year. I'm just like, do what? you, do you Maybe think, three, you do know. you think they'll try and tweak, tweak it for a little more pop? Do you actually think they'll try and do something? They'll try to do something. Yeah. I don't I thought know it what. I, it may not even be for more pop. They see, I don't think they viewed it as a problem. 
I think we viewed it as a problem, but I don't think they did. Yeah. And, and I think we, I, I more viewed it as just frustrating. You don't know what's going to happen. And pitchers right. are frustrated. They don't pick up a ball. They don't know what it's going to feel like. And, you know, then Aaron Judge is playing and he gets a different ball. So there's that also. But uh, yeah. I think that's, the Goldilocks ball, I think, is, you know, there's a, that's a small sample. I, I've read, I've read and heard some stuff on that that says, you know, it's such a small sample that nobody's, you shouldn't really freak out about that. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump into some player talk. I want to talk, uh, I don't want to talk about specific closers, but I want to talk about the closer pool. But first, a note from our sponsors at Fantrax. Uh, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize it if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Jeff, uh, closers and saves in general have changed a lot over the last few years. I looked at, um, you know, kind of the the, 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 the mark I look at as a target in, uh, you know, NFBC leagues, the online championship, the main event is kind of like 80th percentile overall that puts you in a pretty good place for the overall. You know, you want to, you got to beat that a little bit to win, but like it's a good target. You know, you never want to target something exactly, but it's a good target. There was a, uh, Last year, 67 saves, 80% of the main event. That is a really no number. It used to be like in the mid-80s. Um, 72 saves was the 80% number in the online championship. So you and I have talked many times about closing the past. 
it's always like I need my two and a half guys. I need two set guys and maybe a half guy, you know, someone half the weeks, that sort of thing. You don't need that anymore. You can need kind of one and then piece together some or maybe two and then not worry about the second spot. Um, we'll get into the specific players here, but how are you viewing saves in general, kind of how, how managers are managing bullpens these days? You know, I, I don't have one hard, fast approach. Last year, I had two diametrically different drafts in the main event when it, when, with regard to saves. And one draft, the one live Vegas one, we took we, we had the uh, so the yeah the number three pick, and I took Hendricks in the second round. And the online one, that main event that Tim and I did together, we took Scott Barlow as our only closer in the first twenty rounds in the ninth round, it, I, or maybe it was the eighth, eighth or ninth. But point being is, both both did fine. Both were competitive teams. There are two different ways to get there. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think you have to have one approach. I just think you need to know the consequences of each approach. And you know, like any, like any approach, it's like Scott likes to say, or Gene McCaffrey likes to say, Scott Pianowski, that is, or Gene McCaffrey likes to say, any plan works with the right players. You have to get, you have to identify the right players either way. So I don't really, I don't, I think I'd li- like to have at least one solid closer and, and, and one, my, one of my uh, DCs, I think I did two and just had some fun with it, but it, uh, and I, these DCs are different, obviously, than Fab Leagues, too. So we've got uh, – we've got. I looked at it, and I kind of broke it down by ADP range. There's 11 closers that go in the top 80. That's a, a pretty good number. That takes you to the middle of the sixth round in a 15-teamer or the middle of the seventh round in a 12-teamer. Um, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Clase, Josh Hader, Romano, Devin Williams, Rizal Iglesias, Ryan Presley, uh, Bautista, Ryan Helsley, Camilo Doval, and Kenley Jansen are those 11. So it's one of those things like, do you, are, are you going into draft, not necessarily needing Diaz or Clase, but do you want one of those 11? I'm going to, and like Clay Holmes kind of falls right on the edge of that. So you could put him in there if you wanted to, you couldn't, if you want to put him in the next range, I broke it off there, but are you going in thinking I need to get one of these 11 guys in a 15 team or where, you know, four teams aren't going to get them or maybe even more if someone takes two. Almost uh, certainly. Yeah. Someone will take two, right? So there's like nine teams are going to get one of the, one or two of these guys. Are you going in like with the thought that in the in the fifth round, if I don't have one of these or the fourth round, I'm just going to get one, suck it up, take one, and and move on? Or are you gonna you're, are you willing to play the game a little a little dangerous there? Uh, I think I'm willing to. It's not my first choice. I, I think, think uh, I think I'm not willing to. I think I'm very willing to get one of these guys and then play it dangerous after that. But I think yeah. I want one of these. I think I want one of these eleven. I think that makes sense. Um... But with the way saves are, I'm way more willing to not worry about my second one right away. Where I, I used to be, you know, when you needed 85, I used to be like, I need to get my two and then I'll kind of piece it together later. I'm pretty good with getting one solid one and kind of piecing together as we go along and later in the draft and in season. I looked at my teams last year and that's kind of what I had. I ended up with 67 and 69 saves in my two main event teams. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had Ryan Presley in one of them. The other one I had Taylor Rogers worked for a while, but and then I, it didn't work in a big didn't, way. It didn't work yeah. at all. And I had David Bednar who halfway through the draft apparently was splitting the job, but then got it and then got hurt. Um, but I think getting one of these 11 is pretty, pretty, pretty important for me. And it, it, it would leave an overall component to it. You have to, you have to get saves to compete overall. You know, if you're in your league or a standalone league, I can see punting saves fully and trying to piece it together later, or just punting it fully. But in a league with an online component or an overall component, I think I'm I'm putting the end, I'm putting my uh, my kind of tier break at the end of these eleven, and making sure that I get one of them. I think that's fair. Um, I, I I now have to look and see how I did on saves in, in these respective uh, my, my main event leagues. I think there's a big difference between how you handle it in a fifteen versus a twelve too. I agree too. Uh, 
I, I think I'm way more willing to take chances in the in the twelve. Um, in, a, just, in, a, in a 12 team or those last two months, like people drop closers, people don't pay as much attention. There's closers available. I always find myself if I really need some saves late in a 12 team, where I can usually figure out a way to get something. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I had 62 saves in the Hendricks league uh, last year. Um, and now I got to look and see how I, what I did in the other one here. Um, let's see here. It is uh, in that one. I had 50 saves. Both teams finished third in my league. Uh, the team that had 50 saves finished higher in the overall. Yeah, that team with 50 saves, you have 62 saves. Are we talking about a, a top 10 finish and winning your league, though? Uh, you, have, you have to look at your standings points, I know. But, like, was I felt, I felt like saves was a, was a stressor for you the last three months. Oh, it was. And how I my, my chasing of them yeah. caused me other problems. Yeah, uh, it's possible. Let's see. It would definitely have gotten me second place in the league. It would not have won the league. And well, I don't know that because I don't know what it would have done to the ratios, what I would have done without that spot. Uh, what I would have done. You would have been a little better in wins and K's if you didn't chase closers down the, during the I mean, season. Early like in that. the season, I was going eight and one, you know, and yeah. I was fine with that. But so, you know, it, it's hard to play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. But yeah, obviously, you know, 12 more saves would have been nice. Yeah. Um, so I know we're not fully breaking down the all the players here. We'll probably do that at some point. We'll do a closer podcast at some point. But are there anybody in this 11 that you're like, I see this 11. I'm just using 11 as a number because I, I broke it off there. Is there anybody you don't want in this range? I remember see, last year. I wanted year, to ask you that. Dang it. Last year, you, you were like, it. I don't want to roll this Chapman no matter what. And that was a freaking great call because he it did not work out. He was bad. And I remember I was like, really? He's one of those guys that just always gets saves and always solid. Um, you kind of nailed that one. So I was hoping you're going to nail another one for me. Yeah, I, I, I still might get there. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm a does little John, worried does, about Devin does, Williams, but I have uh, had, right. I have rostered him also. So, are you? Are is Devin Williams a walk issue for you? Is that your problem with him? It's a walk issue. It's his reaction to the hater trade. How he almost, you know, he was, he almost was kind of shying from the job a little bit. Um, I mean, he's so good, but yeah, I mean that that that's that's a thing. Did you Actually, mentioned- Helsley's another concern too because of health. Uh, see, you just friggin' took mine. Sorry, that was that was my one. So, my issue with Helsley, I think Helsley's awesome. I had him last year. I picked him up last year, and he was great. But then you look up, and he had 19 saves, and that he was getting saves early in the year too. They yep. they use him a lot as a fireman. They used him a lot in the eighth. They use they have Gallegos back there. I just think for where Helsley's getting drafted, and it's a you know whatever it is, ever it is 60s and 60s or 70s and ADP. I just think like I want I want to know he's going to get a chance to get twenty eight to thirty saves. And I don't know that's the case. I think that if he gets twenty two, I don't think that's I don't think that's anywhere near outside the realm of possibility. Even if he stays healthy, and he had the injury towards the end of the year last year, and I just uh, I'm worried a little bit healthy despite how much I like him as a pitcher, how much he helped me out last year. I mean, the dude was unbelievable last year. One two five point seven four WHIP, forty percent strikeout rate. But I'm worried about usage there. Yeah, I am too. Uh, the fact that Gallegos is still there. You know, Gallegos is one of the slowest pitchers in baseball, by the way. He has been cited multiple times as one of the guys that might get hurt by this pitch clock rule. So, for whatever that's worth. Do you think there's going to be some pitchers who get mentally, you know, wetted by the pitch clock and struggle because of Adjusted? It? Yes. Yes, adjusted. There you go. Uh, uh, I think so, yes, too. I do. think it's impossible to guess which ones will have the issue with that. But I think it's going to get in some guys' head early on. Of course it is. Um, I think you will see more blown saves this year. Because of the pitch clock, I, not just because it's in their head, but – Less recovery time. You know, closers, back-end relievers, they're max effort guys. Velocity is the game, right? I think we're going to see a little drop in velocity, perhaps. 
I think you know some some teams will teach breathing techniques and get there better. Or, you know, they'll have performance coaches like Randy Wendy Rhodes or something. And they'll be able to uh, nail wow. it there a little a bit bi- more. A billions drop. That was beautiful. We're watching. We're watching billions right now. I'm, I'm almost I, done with. I, quit. Uh, I, qu- I couldn't do season six. I quit. It was pretty bad. It yeah, is pretty no, bad. Uh, no axe. I was out. I'm I'm a completist though. Uh, see, I'm a quit. Um, I'm a quitter in, in many ways in TV shows. Yeah, I, I have a long it. line of TV shows that I ended up not finishing. You're you're better off for that, by the way. Yeah, a lot. Um, of some of those probably true. Because how many times has that show disappointed you and then rallied and been better again? Only Usually once. When they go only downhill. only once ever. Which which show was the Americans? Because I didn't like season five, and I thought I was six, thinking I thought, about that show too. I thought season six was absolutely my favorite. Not get out of the park to finish, my favorite yeah. finish of a season series ever, but I thought season five was a drag. I, I yeah, I I didn't hate season five, but it was definitely a downturn. I thought Justified also had a similar arc that they had one season that was eh, uh, the Michael Rappaport season. Well, it wasn't so great, but everything else was pretty awesome. I love Justified. It, it's it's. I have I have never watched it. Yeah, you uh, yeah, you should watch it. And right. I know, uh, um, who else? Uh, NFBC player loves Justified. Uh, finished second to uh, uh, two years ago um, in the overall. Um, Emmett Ruland. Yes, Emmett. Yes, right. Emmett's a Justified guy too. Emmett's uh, Emmett's good human. Yes, he is. Big fan. Uh, I've been friends with him for many many years. Great dude. Um, so closers and say you missed these eleven. You're like, all right, I just you know someone slipped to me. Um, last year to me, it was Aaron Judge. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take Aaron Judge and skip the closer run. Um, he's, there's, there's only seven guys that are between picks 80 and 150. So in a 15-teamer, essentially around six through 10, they are Clay Holmes, David Bednar, Scott Barlow, who you know is moving around a little bit now with Chapman being signed, uh, Yoan Duran, Daniel Bard, uh, Diaz, your, your buddy in, in Cincinnati there, and Andres Munoz in Seattle. All these guys have issues. I think it's very clear to me, at least, that these are guys. These are second-tier guys. Uh, maybe Clay Holmes. I think I could push him up there in a top 12 instead of a top 11. But this next batch, either bad teams or bad situations are up in the air. I mean, Munoz and, and Barlow, we don't know if they're going to be the guy. We don't know with that with Duran also. Do you, uh, do you, are you comfortable with any of these guys as, you, as your closer one? Are these all guys like, eh, if I get them as a closer two, I feel better? Because I'd love to just skip this group, to be honest with you. Well, I think knowing that is – liberating if you have a, a a tier that you want to skip i mean it's the greatest feeling in the world and because then makes, you see those guys go off the clock realize even more how much i need to force a top 11 one though yeah sure okay as, I much, like as, as much as it hurts so i like barlow a lot um maybe it's just because i thought he was good for me last year because not only did he uh, get a good amount of saves but he also got wins and he, he got you strikeouts he did a lot of good things we got a new manager there. We have a new pitching coach there. I don't think the the Matheny madness is going to carry over. Do you have a Do you have a feeling on how they end up use, using Chapman? Um. Well, if I'm fading him last year, I'm fading him this year. But... Sure, in terms of fantasy, yes. But like, do you yeah. think they'll force Chapman into that closer role with the thought of like, if he gets 22 saves before August, we can trade him? I think they'll use him as a cautionary tale that when a uh, closer has passed his expire date. See, I, I, I think so too. I do. I think he's, I think he's fried too myself, but yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I love some of these guys as pitchers. So I should say when I skip, I just worried about, I love them as humans. I don't know. You're, you're just so like, what yeah. can he do for me? Yeah, but, I don't yeah. really care about them as humans. Um, yeah, I, know. So, I mean, you look at Munoz in Seattle. I just don't know with him and Paul Sewell, they both have some injury issues too, but Munoz is unbelievable last year. 39% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. You don't see those numbers very often. A whip under 0.9. I mean, 
Dude is unbelievable. 21.5% swing strike rate is a bonkers number. So great pitcher, but I just have no idea yet how they're going to use him. Uh, yeah, that is fair, and especially because it's not like the uh, leadership has changed on this team. Right. And they, uh, they and the Seawald's a good pitcher, too. Yeah, he is. I know you had a lot of Seawald last year. So. I did. Seawald was Seawald's big man. was dropped him a couple of times when they were kind of moving around the, in the rotation or the mm-hmm. in the black, back in the bullpen. But he ended up with 20 saves, and a, his whip was .77 last year. So we're talking about a guy that is also really, really good at, at just keeping guys off base. So I think with relievers, I think we have a really hard time sometimes keeping the long view. Like if they're not getting saves, we forget about yeah. what they're doing elsewhere, else for us there. Agreed. Especially if they get one outing in the eighth inning for a given week because the team isn't winning or they, they decide to go somewhere else for you know needing him as a fireman in this one particular instance. Usually they get there for you. You mentioned, you know, the overall numbers for Munoz, the overall numbers for a lot of some of these elite uh, relievers, but you got to have them rostered. You got to have them yeah. active. You have to you have them active. It's like I, uh, Holmes I, at the beginning of the year last year when he was turning in all those awesome innings, but people didn't have them active. I, I sat Seawald for like the first time he got three saves in a week is the only reason I didn't drop him. And I just put him in the rest of the way. Cause I was like, you know, I can't, as long as he's getting, he has that chance to get, they had a couple other, he had a week, like a week right after that, that he got it too. So it was, uh, it worked out. Okay. But yeah, those, the, the guy, that's the hard part. It's a really good point by you is that those guys are hard to keep in your lineup every week because they get frustrating. You look up and they pitched one or two innings and if they give up a couple of runs, it's just really bad too. Oh, it's the worst. And then you got a time where you're like, oh, all right, well now I can take him out. And they get two or three saves. It's, it's frustrating. But I think with someone like Munoz or Duran or Barlow, if you draft them at this point, you're, you're probably not taking them out, at least for a while. Uh, but in this range, two other guys I want to ask you about. Uh, talk to me about uh, Diaz in Cincinnati. You think he's the guy there? Do you really like him? What are we uh, What are we looking at with, uh, with Alexis Diaz? David Bell has never had the guy there. So why is he going so early then? Because he was good last year, and he's Diaz's brother. I mean <laughs> – uh, no, and he was good. I mean, but I just don't even think there's that many save chances to be had in Cincy. But, I mean, every bad team still has usually 20, 20 to 30 saves. Sure. But I don't know. Um, I'm. So you're not you're not taking him in the first 10 rounds then? No, I'm not. Okay. Not that, with I that. mean, that answers that question. I, I just I, – I don't want to deal with David Bell. Do you uh, dip your toe into the Daniel Bard water at all? Because I am – as much as I love the story last year, I'm fully out on this one. I'm not fully out, but I want to hear more from you on this one. Uh, 220 BABIP and a 0.45 homer per nine in cores is just going to bounce crazy this year. I love Pretty the story. Simple. I love the story. I, love, I mean, he walks over 10% of guys too. Like at some point that is good in cores. That is going to blow up, blow up. His, 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 uh, his strand percentage last year was 82%. Like everything lined up perfectly for him. And he strikes guys out. He gets ground balls. You like that combo, but. Mm-hmm. Man, you take those walks, you take all those numbers. I just, I, I think he's a, if he was in the round, like last year, I was like, I think it's great. Round 20 is a guy who might close. Awesome. Take the chance in the ninth round. There's no way I'm doing it this year. Yeah. Um, I, I hear you on that. And I, I, I get you. I, I have, I think I have rostered Bard when I was waiting on closers before. So, but you know, I, I, I see like the hit rate on this level is usually pretty, pretty tough you're gonna miss half these guys yes that's true i mean a lot of these guys are just going to uh, either lose their job or get hurt or be bad but some of them will step up and have 30 saves the next round the hard part here is if you like i'm talking i'm gonna skip this rat range there's only three closers to go in the next 50 picks of adp the 150 to 200 there's three guys mm-hmm. jose leclerc paul seawald from a team we've already freaking talked about a guy so there's two guys already in seattle 
and Pete Fairbanks on a team that nobody jerks around closers and back and bullpen more than Tampa. Like, what do you do with these three guys? It's like, if you, if you just have one guy at some point, you gotta get a second guy. Or, do you like any of these three guys? I like Fairbanks. He got paid. Okay. Yeah. You think that matters for Tampa Bay in terms of I actually do. using him in the ninth inning? I do. I, trust- I love, I love him as a pitcher. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I think, you know, health is an issue. The Rays are an issue. Kevin Cass, Cash is an issue. If I'm willing to, you know, and the, the difference, I think I can parse the difference between Diaz and Fairbanks on two different levels. One, the cost of acquisition. Fairbanks is going cheaper. And two, there's it's a better team. There's more yeah. wins, more, more chances to be had. So I, I and I, I do think he, you're going to get those cumulative stats uh, that with him, and you'll get some wins that you wouldn't get otherwise, you know, if you're not getting the save. So there is that also that helps. Uh, you had to put a number on Pete Fairbanks, say, let's throw injury out the window. He pitches all year. We're talking 22 saves, 18 saves. What's your I number? I just changed him today. Let me tell you what I put him at. Up to up to 45? Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah. Um, he is my closer three. Uh, there's two that get more than him, even. I was going to say, at 45, I want to know who closer one and two are. Yeah, I put him at 21. All right, so right in that. I said 18 to 22, so yeah, right in there. Uh, you know, his K minus walk last year was over 40%. That is a that's, insane number. Yeah, it's gross. It's yeah. really gross. His whip was 0. 0.6. I know it's only 24 innings, but he was really good. Um, someone in the chat asked about one of the guys in this next range here. So then in the, from ADP 200 to 250. So we're talking like, uh, you know, rounds 12 to 12 to whatever that is, uh, somewhere there, 13 to 16, somewhere in there. So like middle of the draft, we've got uh, Alex Lang in Detroit. Now they traded uh, Soto. Mm-hmm. Kyle Finnegan in Washington, an awful team. Uh, Jorge Lopez, uh, Evan Phillips, who was the one that someone that uh, Fox Mulder asked about, an X-Files fan apparently asked about in the chat. And then uh, your, uh, your nightmare from last year, Sir Anthony Dominguez, where you guys picked him up and he got hurt the next, uh, the next day. But uh, do you like him to be in this range? Because I think Evan Phillips is really, really good and really, really interesting. But Daniel Hudson is there, and I imagine is going to steal some ninth inning work. And the Dodgers have pretty much said they're going to go to committee no matter what. Well, yeah, the Dodgers are going to be this year's super frustrating team because, yes, I mean, they they look at so many good arms in that bullpen. I uh, mean, Evan, Phil- Evan Phillips was awesome last year. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, and Hudson was awesome before he got hurt. Gratterall throws 100 miles an hour. Yep. Um, yeah, right then and there. Even Shelby Miller, I think they could do stuff with. I mean, he, he's wow. like old, old friend Shelby Miller. Yeah, who's uh, getting a chance. He's on the right team. You know, so many times, like, you're like, oh, dismiss this guy's name. But then you put him on the Dodgers, like, okay, now I'm interested. Because I mean, the Dodgers pretty, don't miss a lot. Alex Vessia has an ERA of 2.2 the last two seasons. Like, yeah. they just, I mean, they just, they're obviously good at everything they do. But uh, I love Evan Phillips. I, I I just don't know. I mean, in terms of a fantasy setup, I you know, you might get seven saves. Yeah. I'll probably roster him in at least one league. He's, just because he, so he just because he just because a big fantasy football player, is he? I did yeah. not even. He was in the Scott Fish Bowl this year. Oh, cool! Very yeah. cool. Uh, I the thing is, um, I just think he's good, and Dodgers are going to win ninety five games or whatever. Yeah. I mean, no, they spent a little less this off season, but they're still going to be good. Yeah, yeah, they're still going to be really good. I mean, look at that rotation; it's it's gross. And I think you can take a guy like that if you have one of these locked in guys. They're going to get you. You know, obviously. I say keep saying top eleven, but you, those guys can get hurt too. Like there's there's no way around that. Some of some of them will struggle, but for the most part, 
those are guys that are going to be good if they're healthy and you know appear to have the job for the most part. We talked about Helsley a little bit, but uh, I think I want to be able to pick really good pitchers late that maybe fall into 15 saves. In order to do that, I think you have to have one anchor in there. So I think as uh, the more I study this, the more I looked at it, as it gets grosser down ADP and there's not that many guys in these second or third tiers. I think you, I think that top 11 really jumps out to me. It was the lesson I learned from looking at this afternoon. Yeah. Any other thoughts on closers Any other like later guys you're really looking at anybody in the A's bullpen. Give me some, uh, give me some <laughs> Trevor may or, uh, or Domingo Acevedo or Danny Jimenez or AJ puck. Um, AJ puck is apparently in the starting rotation, which is just not going to go well. Uh, he, he won't. Who, who got, lasts longer in the rotation, Garrett Whitlock or A.J. Puck? Uh, I, I'd take any bit over A.J. Puck lasting longer and health-wise. He's just going to okay. get hurt if he starts. He's just going to get hurt. He, does not, he cannot start. I do not think he can start. If I were the A's, I would try to make him start because I, I'd try to see if you could do it. I, I just don't think it's going to work. But they're not playing for anything. I'd probably do the same thing and see what you got there. And then, you know, one more time if he gets hurt, I think he's a, he's a reliever from now on after that. Yeah. I don't begrudge them. I'd probably the same thing I would do with you're going to win. We're going to win, you know, 28 games on the season. You might as well take some experimentation. I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, you know, the thing is, like, there's good teams that we don't know who their closers are going to be yet. We don't know, you know, the Phillies, who, what they're going to do with that mess. We don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. This is, this is like, it's becoming more of a thing that good teams but don't have a designated closer – and it's not like they're just going to find one in spring training. They're going to go in and just kind of mix and match and and do that. And it's going to be – it's funny because you look at – you like mentioned the Phillies. You look at roster resource. They have four guys listed as closer with the Phillies. So they just, they've given up yeah. there too. But uh, there's going to be more and more teams that do this. Are you a fan of uh, saves plus holds? I know you hate the hold stat. Are you a fan of changing this rule or just kind of dealing with it as it is? No, just deal with it as it is. It's just it, – it just – it's the, – the stat changes. Do we get rid of stolen bases when stolen bases are down? No, we don't. Same thing there's, with saves. There's years I want to when I draft them poorly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on. I'm with you on that. Uh, we all have our skeletons in that particular closet, so oh, no need the, to bring. The of the shield is jumping up and down and waving at you right now. Boy, do we! Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I wasn't gonna throw it at you, but oh, uh, I throw. I throw it at myself. Um, yeah. Right, oh, question. I, I got, Go ahead. I got one more team. Uh, I we have to bring this up. Go. What are you doing with the White Sox? Uh, first of all, really sad because Liam Hendricks is one of my favorite players. Yeah, hopefully, more than anything, hope he gets uh, well soon and healthy. It sounds like he they caught it pretty early and he's getting treatment and all that. But I think it's fair to say we're not you know not thinking he's going to pitch anytime remotely soon this year. Probably a a pretty intensive uh, recovery process there. Um, Kendall Graveman is probably the guy I would imagine. I, I mean, it seems like uh, if you look at that bullpen. Um, it would seem like it'd be him. I mean, I know they like Aaron Bummer, but he's a lefty. I think they want to leave him there. You got Reynaldo Lopez. Some people like is kind of a, yeah, a sleeper Ryan based, Roof. based yeah. on how he pitched uh, last year. He was a ER, you know whip under one last year. The, the the strikeout rate has clearly been different when he's been a reliever. As a starter, he was a really low strikeout guy. But uh, I think it's great in the start. If you wanted to speculate on Reynaldo Lopez, I wouldn't uh, blame you too much. But I think uh, it seems to me like it'll be at least great in the start. He was okay last year, but then you look at the ERA is good. The whip was one four, which scares the crap out of me. I just, uh, that, uh, that like bump he had in Seattle, that one year where he was throwing like 101 and striking everybody out. That seemed to go like, go way up a little bit last year. The strikeout rate was down like 4%. Yeah. Uh, one other guy I got to ask you about. Um, and that is, uh, well, are you, are you in on Carlos Estevez at all? So he, uh, he's moving from, uh, moving from Coors to Anaheim, which is always a really good thing. Right. Um, yeah. 
I, I think it, they clearly didn't want it to be Jimmy Hergett last year. He was pitching well, and they wouldn't. They, they really wouldn't have him be there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess if I had to guess right now, I think Estevez probably gets the ball on the in the first save off. But man, I think it's a kind of a kind of a mess all year, probably. Yeah, I mean, do you like it? Do you like anyone there? I like Estevez a little bit. I mean, I think Hergett's a good pitcher still. I do too. Um, I I still think you know uh, Hergett's a good pitcher, uh, but Phil Nevin's still the manager there. He is still the manager there, isn't he? Uh, yeah, that's I don't annoy the living heck out of me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably Estevez. I mean, they signed him, but I, don't, he's, I mean, he's an okay strike guy, 20%. The walks are a little bit high, but then, you know, he pitched in Coors Fields. So maybe mm-hmm. you factor that in too. But I mean, you look at last year, his, his, his Babbitt was under 250. The years before, 382 and his ERA was seven and a half and four and a half. Yeah, I'd probably just, I'm probably saying, I don't think any of those guys are good enough that I have to take him. If I did, maybe, maybe just be hurt because I think he's a good pitcher, but I, I don't, I'm probably a little uh, less in on Estevez than I was before I looked at him. Yeah. Uh, it's question in the chat since it came up. Uh, do you have any strong feelings about uh, Yankees infielder Oswaldo Cabrera? I do not have strong feelings. Um, I this... think he's interesting. Uh, I think playing time is, you know, he's going to have to get up, hit the, hit the ground running. Yeah. That's good. Cause point. Peraza's there, Cabrera's there, Torres is there, and then there's this guy named Anthony Volpe who is just knock, knock, knocking on the door. And yep. I think Cabrera, ha- you know, Cabrera can play outfield and infield. I mean, that does work in his favor a little bit there. And uh, I know he's kind of old now, but DJ LeMahieu plays there too. Yeah, and uh, Kiner Falefa's there too. Like, I those guys are going to play at some point. It's all. It's a. Really I don't think IKF's a factor. He shouldn't be. No. I don't think he is. LeMahieu's got to be a little bit of a factor, though, right? For sure. I mean, what yeah. a fall from grace he had last fall year. From but grace, yeah. I uh, I think Osvaldo Cabrera is going to be really good at some point. I really like his swing. It's more of like an eye testing. I like he's a I like mm-hmm. his switcher. I really like his swing. I like watching him play last year. I like the. He, I've actually picked him up in the main event last year, so I watched him a bunch. Um, I think he's going to be good. I'm just not sure the playing time is fully there yet for him to be good quite yet. I I also need to confess that. Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza. I am going to screw that up every, royally. I do it every year. every time. Peraza is the more sexy stolen base uh, speed power guy, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he's the shortstop too, though. Also, that's the way I view it. That's the other way I look at it. Um, they yeah. both they both had some speed power in the minors, though. They're both pretty fun prospects, actually. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's just and they're both in the three hundreds in terms of ADP. Uh, they're, I think Peraza is typically going to cost you a little bit more, but not always. They're, they have a pretty wide range, both of them. I think playing time is going to be frustrating. I think your point about starting off fast is going to be pretty big. Whoever kind of gets hot first might uh, might end up with a, a longer runway. Yeah, especially because there's a lot of pressure on the Yanks, um, as always. There, uh, there certainly, certainly is there. So uh, let's talk about a few uh, intriguing ADP thoughts. I started to look at ADP. I just looked at the top 150. I wanted to bring up some names that I thought were interesting. But first – a note from our sponsors at Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway. There's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative st- scores in all your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with promo code RWMLB. Not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you also get six months of a Roto-Wire subscription all for free. 
Again, that's underdog fantasy promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 dinger team today. So, Jeff, I was flipping through some ADP, started starting to, you know, formulate some draft lists and rankings here. Uh, first thing I noticed, uh, no starting pitchers in the top 15, unless you count Shohei Otani. He's there too, but uh, it is not a starting pitcher year. Do you think that'll change when we get into March main events? Or uh, pitchers always go up a little bit, but I think that, uh, I don't think we're going to see the quite uh, quite the number of names in the first round that we normally see. I think we've had like five and six starting pitchers at times in the yeah. first round. I don't I think, think we, we get, get like there. one or two at most. I think Burns and Cole maybe, but I think that's probably it. And I think most drafts, those guys will be at the turn. So maybe first, maybe second. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I, I got to pull up some, yeah, pull up and see who's close. I mean, it, it's really Burns, just Burns, Burns is, and Cole. Burns is right? right there. He's like, he's, he's 16. He's like pick 15.1 or he's like, he's number 16 overall. So he's, he's right there at the turn. So he'll probably get up in there. I think he'll be a late first rounder in most drafts and maybe a Cole pushed up, but I'll, you're right. I think we're not going to get the four five, six kind of guys that we got uh, the last few years. Yeah. Cause that, the next, the next two are DeGrom and Alcantara and I don't see them getting to the first yeah. round. I don't think so. I think you maybe, if, maybe actually if I he looks awesome that. and awesome in spring, maybe, but I still think yeah. People are going to hesitate put, you know, pulling that trigger in the first round based on how last year happened. How, I mean, how, the how, way it going. happened last year where, oh, yeah. he was awesome early in yep. spring training. People used 1.1 on him in some cases. Yep. And then, you know, it was Lucy with the football there. But uh, So uh, some names that jumped out to me, guys, that, uh, you know, either I, I thought were a little bit higher than that could be a little bit lower. The first one I want to talk about is someone who's kind of dropped a little bit lately, but kind of a hot topic is Michael Harris. You and I talked about him a lot last year because you picked him up in the main event. He was obviously awesome for you. Hit 297, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 441 plate appearances last year. Uh, good hard hit numbers. The barrel rate over 10%. Hard hit rate over 45%. Uh, K rate was a little bit high, but he was uh, had a low K rate in the minors. So, you know, that's a first time around the majors kind of thing. Uh, so now Harris is a second round pick. Are you, are, are you still in on Harris the second round? Where do you think, uh, how do you feel about this price with the thought that maybe he can't hit lefties? Maybe he won't hit second against lefties. Where do you think this kind of works out? I'm like a lot of people in our community that I love the player. I'm a little nervous about the price, Yeah, but if I get him at pick 33, I'm probably taking him. I if think I have to take him I at 28, it's Tougher. I think he'll be there at 33 for you in main events. I think he's going to be a guy as a few pitchers move up and a few people are wary of him. You'll hear a lot Closers, of the, you're yeah. going to hear a lot of the hit 240 against lefties, not, you know, Albie's going to hit second against, uh, against lefties, that sort of thing. I think he's going to move to the middle of the third round. And I think I agree with you. I think in the, in the second round, I'm like, eh, I think there's some names that I'd rather prefer, but as you get, you get eight to 10 picks further. I think he becomes pretty sexy, pretty quick. Yeah. I want to get like seven, eight, nine again, as far as uh, KDS goes, I just like you. I love being in the middle of the draft. I do too. I, I worry a little bit this year that I think there's a very clear one through five. Yeah. Um, but as I get closer to that, I'll, I'll kind of figure that more out. But I think the, the, the thing for me always is the drop off in the second round, the third round, like those are, there's always, there's, you can always see a drop off there and yep. Um, yep. you want to, you want to avoid that. Cause you want, you want two of those studs. So it's uh that's one that I'll have to get into. And we see as injuries play out in spring training and stuff, you know, guys fall in and out of there, but uh, I think Harris is And he's going to be someone that I think falls into third round in most drafts. You might be right. I mean, just I, I when I did my search, I did it from like January 15th through today, and that's 76 drafts, and his range is 17 to 46. Yeah. I, I think people are always going to fixate on power-speed combo, though, and that is always going to prevent him from falling too far, I think. 
Yeah, I just see the names right behind him. I think like Alcantara, DeGrom, Strider, Diaz, I think the and Woodruff. I think all those pitchers are gonna move up. I think he's gonna force someone has to move down as, as a few guys move up. And I just think he's gonna be that guy that I think he'll be a early third rounder better than the late second rounder in most drafts. Did you see though that Arenado is at twenty eight in that this range though? I mean, that's a third base freakout right now. That is a that is a third base freak out for sure, and obviously a freak out because Arenado was really good last year. Yeah, uh, I won't be taking Nolan Arenado in the second round. No, I won't either. So I'm trying to jump back a little bit here, and a guy that is nearly impossible to figure out. I think he was the like everybody wants to fade this guy last year as Adolis Garcia in Texas. Uh, his ADP yeah. right now is about uh, right around sixty, so the four or five turn in a, in a main event. Uh, another great year though. He had 250, but he had 27 home runs, 25 stolen bases. 250 was not bad last year with the way batting average was. He's a really good hard contact guy, 47% hard hit, over almost 13% barrel rate. Dropped his K rate a little bit. That was the big concern everybody had. Was he was a 30% strikeout guy, he's down to 28%. Um, are you back? Are you in this time? Are you back out again? It seems like everybody's fading him yet again. I'll take him at the faded price. Um, <laughs> There's there's a and I I don't want to take him right at his average, but there's leagues where he's going 80th, yeah. you know, 75th to 80th, yeah, you know, and there's not going to be too many power speed guys in that range. You understand he comes with a certain set of flaws. You know, batting average is just not likely going to be a thing. Yep. But the lineup's better around him, I think a little bit. It's not great. Bottom half of the lineup's still pretty bad, but top half is stronger. Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get counting stats. He's just it's just a question of can he put two is he gonna put two thirty in play and are you willing to deal with that yeah. pain if he does? I think the problem is like I think two fifteen is probably there somewhere. I mean he was under tenth percentile on whiff rate and chase rate. Yep. But I mean he's talented too. Like we we've had guys like this before that you know like we say swing and miss a lot, but they make hard contact. They make hard contact early in counts. They can they when they hit it, they hit it. And he's just as long as he's willing to run still, I think that's uh I mean, there's not many guys you can get 25-25 from outside the first couple rounds. Right. Although I think maybe you get maybe you get more of that this year, and that that changes things True. a little bit. It's a fair point. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so he's at 243 one year, 251. But his, look at his bad bips is 306 and 309. Like good, but not you know not the crazy numbers you see sometimes. What comes along with batting average you don't expect. So he's a tough guy to figure though, because unless you look deep, you realize all the all the flaws from the swing and miss. But uh, He's an uber talented guy, and he's still only he's still he's twenty nine, so he's not super young, but um, still in his his prime and his peak. Let me ask you this: I'm going to ask answer your question with a question. Sure. Are you willing to take his former organizational mate Randy Arozarena at his particular cost? I am not uh, an Arozarena guy at his particular cost. What his, what's his ADP about about thirty early thirties? Yeah, he goes a lot sooner, and I see a lot of similarities between the two players. I'm much more likely to take Garcia at his price than a Rosarena at his. Uh, I am also. I uh, I think a Rosarena brings a, a batting average floor to play to. He did drop his strikeout rate last year, but um, I think with him, he doesn't hit the balls hard either. Like I don't think he's as good a hitter as Adolis is. He's probably less of a strikeout guy a little bit, but uh, I don't know. His batting average scares me, and I think the 20 home runs is kind of his like his peak. So you've got to get the 30 stolen bases for that to work at the price. Yeah, I think there's a limiting uh, factor in the ballpark a little bit there. Yeah. Although Texas isn't the best place to hit either. But I just find it interesting that Rosarena is now more trusted than yeah. Garcia. And they the have th- yeah, the essentially 30. the same track record. And, uh, Gar- and, and Garcia has a higher power ceiling. I th- a definitely higher power ceiling. I think that uh... – I mean, was it wasn't Rosalina. He was 32. He, he got caught stealing 12 times last year. Like, at some point, 
I worry about that too. If you know Tampa Bay gives him that green light that he had last year, I mean he attempted forty four steals last year. Yeah, and maybe you know because pitchers aren't going to be able to hold him as well, he gets up to forty yeah, steal bases. That, that and then all of a sudden you're talking twenty forty, and okay, well now you got yourself a stew. Now you now you understand why he goes higher, I guess, because he has a, the lower power ceiling but a higher stolen base ceiling. Yeah, I think that's fair too. Uh, right after uh, Adolis, we have uh, we have a catcher I wanted to ask you about. Adley Rutschman is uh, pick sixty six mm-hmm. or so. I'm not, I was I did last uh, I did draft champions the last three weeks is where I get these ADPs. So if I'm if I'm a couple numbers off your numbers, uh, th- that's where they came from. Sure. Uh, last year Rutschman was uh, hit two fifty four, thirteen home runs, four stolen bases, and four hundred and seventy <laughs> uh, major league plate appearances. And in, in the minors in twenty twenty one, much higher average, hit two ninety, but had twenty three home runs. Uh, you look at his hard contact. It was pretty blah last year, 37%, barely under 8%. Really good plate discipline guy, though. Like, rate, great right. great K rate, really good walker. I mean, a guy that walks 14% of the time as a rookie. Like, that's a, he was a super impressive rookie. But we're talking fancy baseball here, and I just don't see it at the price. I know he's catcher eligible. I know he's really talented. I know he's a really good hitter. Um, I kind of put him like Wander Franco of catchers, and then I love the player, but I don't love the player for fantasy at the price. I mean, we're we're sharing a brain on this. All right. Um, I mean, every I was I was shocked. Walks. I was shocked how high he is. It's those walks, man. And you know, but it's I mean, just, it's great for the Orioles, but is it great for us? He scored seventy runs in one hundred thirteen yeah. games as a catcher. I mean, that that does it. The walks help sure. that because yeah, he's going to bat in a key part of the order. And the and the Orioles are kind of a rising tide sort of team. I think they're more of a okay. We're going to consolidate our gains from last year type of team instead of rising more. Um, so I, I probably won't pay this price, uh, but I mean, we have pedigree. We have that. Oh, what happens when he hits the next level? Is this the next Buster Posey? And then I don't want to miss the next Buster Posey sort of mentality. So I get it why he's going there, but I, I tend to think he's more like Wander Franco too. Yeah. And Buster Posey hit for batting average right away. It was never a huge home run, but his, his value was always the fact he hit 300. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Rutschman could be is obviously really good, but I think like 265, 17 feels about right to me. And there's no way I'm taking that in the fifth round. Sure. So a guy who is uh 10 picks after that, also a young guy who debuted last year, Corbin Carroll is a, uh, uh, someone that uh, a lot of people love, but people are wary of last year was not great after the, uh, the call up. Um, he only had four home runs and two stolen bases. He hit 260 and 150 plate appearance. Obviously, a, a pretty small sample there. He was uh, he was really good in the minors, over 300 last year, 23 home runs, 31 stolen bases. A huge piece of speed power combo guy in the minors last year. ADP 75. We're talking the five six turn into 15 teamer. Uh, you know, a, a couple rounds later, a 12 teamer. Uh, where are you? Uh, are you a love Corbin Carroll guy? Are you a I'm not at the price here? Where do you fall on him? Because I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm becoming more and more into him as I get deeper into this. I'm a love Corbin Carroll guy. Uh, line drive percentage at 25%. Nice. Um, sprint speed is 99th percentile. Uh, we all saw the first to third last year. Did a couple times. It was just, yeah. just breathtaking. Um, I know we're betting on the come here. It, it, it's the the logic part of my brain is probably not going to win this argument. You know, looking or the lo- if logic is looking at previous stats. I, I think the hard hit rate was good enough. It goes with the speed, the projection. James Anderson loves him. That that means a lot to me. Um, you know, he got me on Michael Harris last year. He's he's like Carroll's his number one, and he's going to play. And unless he just totally craps the bed in spring training, he's going to play. And 
Do you worry at all with the crowd outfield there in terms of him, or is that more of a Kyle Lewis, Jake McCarthy worry later on? Then Carroll's going to play, right? I think he's going to play, and I think eventually Alec Thomas will too. I think um, I think uh, Kyle Lewis loses out pretty quickly. Yeah. Loris Guriel's there, though. I, yep. I get it. They're, they're, and it's Evan Longoria might DH a little bit. you got some situations there. And it's funny. We talk about walk rates with Rutschman. They're kind of like, you know, that's great for runs, but how much does it help you in fantasy? For Carroll, I love it because, I mean, it helps stolen bases. And he was a been a huge walk guy in the minors. I know he wasn't in his 32 games in the majors last year, but, you know, it's 32 games. He was uh, about 15% in the minors last year. I love, love high OBP guys for someone that steals because yeah. every time you walk, I mean, that's a – and he's so freaking fast. You mentioned 100 percentile in, in speed score on, on, on baseball savant. I mean, I love a guy that can walk and he steals bases. I mean, it's Ricky Henderson. He walks so much, but, yeah, it's a double every time he walks. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I do already have some uh, Corbin Carroll this year in the NFBC fifties. Uh, I'll probably go back to the well on that. Yeah. I'm in on this one. I would take him over. Uh, I take him over Rutschman for sure. Then it's 10 picks later. So um, I think he's one of the rookies that I am in on, on the flip side, a guy who debuted last year that I am not in on um, that has the same price as Corbin Carroll, which I just don't see as O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh. Um, 233 last year, 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 361 plate appearances. Big hard hit guy, right guy. We've seen that like he makes contact. You're like, oh, that's kind of a line drive to center and it goes 10 feet over the fence. Like the dude has insane power, but you talk about strikeout rate, 35% last year in the majors and um, huge strikeout guy. He was first percentile in K rate in the majors, fourth fourth percentile in whiff rate, like just brutal numbers. Uh, huge max EV guy. He was 100th percentile there. Um, I just don't think I can do it at the price. I think the batting average floor is is too much of a scare tactic for me here. I, I get that. Uh, I spent some time talking with Fred Zinke about him last year, and maybe I caught him like after like a, a monster day, and I'm like, oh yeah, fifth round definitely. You know, and then 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 I get push comes to shove. I actually you know have to try to decide whether to draft him or somebody else. It's always been somebody else so far. I I don't have any O'Neill Cruz just yet. Uh, it's early. I don't have that many leagues yet, but. I, I, I'm not comfortable with the price. Yeah, I think someone's just going to like him more than I do in every draft. He's just not the type of guy. And every once in a while, I'll get burned on people, guys like this, and there will be ones that, that break out. You know, Javier Baez, one of those years that he went off, and I, I never never had him, that sort of thing. But I am I'm I feel pretty good that uh, avoiding a guy like this is usually a win more often than it's not. I'm going to take my, my guy, Dansby, over him every time. And, and Dansby goes 10 picks later. Yeah. Same ish range. I mean, a few picks later, same position. Um, yeah, if you're willing to take Dansby first, it's it's hard to get Cruz unless somebody jumps Dansby and you do it. But it's just hard to get a guy that you like you like the other guy more ten picks later. And I and I like Tim Anderson at twenty three picks later better too. Maybe not straight up, but maybe, but maybe I I do. Um, Tim Anderson's really fallen uh, fallen off the off the ADP platform here. Yeah, well, that use that to your advantage. For sure. Another middle infielder who had a huge breakout last year um, is Andres Jimenez in Cleveland. Um, he was someone that was really, really bad in 2021. Had a lot of had a lot of hype coming into that season. People were moving up to like the eighth, ninth round. Mm-hmm. You know, stolen base guy. He's really fast. And he was just bad in 2021. Hit 218. No hard contact at all. Everything went up last year. He hit 297, 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Hard contact still is not good, but way up from 2021, up 7%. Uh, barrel raise up 3%, still under 6.5%. Uh, what the heck do you do with Andres Jimenez now that he's about pick 80 in ADP? I draft him. Really? Uh, Tell me why. Tell me. I think he's going to score so many runs in that hype, top part of the Cleveland lineup. I love the second short eligibility. I love the speed that he's, he brings to the table there. Uh, 
I, I've gotten them twice now already so far on the NFBC platform. One of the Arizona Fall League Speakers League, the other in the NFBC 50, which is a 12er. I don't know. I, I just think he solves some problems that you can get, you know, especially stolen base issues that you start with. If you don't go get, if you get like Pete Alonso early, later yeah. on you can go get Jimenez to address some of your short, stolen base shortfall. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, mean, I do like the second and short eligibility. I'm just, uh, I'm not sold how great a hitter is. I think the, I think the 17 home runs are not repeating. So I think okay. more, I think more you get like 12 to 14, but if he steals 25 and hits 300, you know, that still works out pretty well. He's fast. His, uh, yeah. his sprint speed is 94th percentile. So the speed is legit. It's real. Um, I think he chases a little bit too much to hit 297. I think the pop's sure. not there to hit 17 home runs. Okay. And that might cause me to revisit for later. And he's he's fully, year. and he's fully priced now too. I mean, I think he's yeah. earned that price. Don't get me wrong. He was really good last year. He was someone that I missed on. I, I had none of him Same. last year and there was a, our friend Vlad Sadler has been a fan of his for a couple of years, burned him in 2021, but paid off nicely in 2022. But uh, uh, I think I'm not, uh, I think I'm going to stay out for this, for this year. Do you, uh, when you miss a guy like this, I mean, is there a general approach that you take with these guys to kind of dig on them a little bit more when you don't have them anywhere? For you, sure. You spend I, more time on the player? 100%. And if, even I missed the year before, um, I'm going back into because I very much want to know, hey, what I missed and should I have missed it? Was it lucky? Was I Did I miss something? Usually it's because I missed something. So uh, I, I definitely, uh, yeah. with someone I miss, I'm not, I, I usually uh, jump back in more heavily than I would with someone I was kind of right on the year before. Good. Yeah. You, I don't, you're not a, my process was right. The player I'm was not, wrong. I'm not a process. I'm always, I usually blame myself more than I should, which is kind of stupid with some of the stuff, but I'm usually, mm-hmm. I'm usually like, what did I, why did I miss this? And what did I get wrong? So sure. A uh, couple more guys here before we jump out. I had a bunch more guys on those lists, but you know, we're going a little bit longer, but a couple guys I wanted to ask you about uh, MJ Melendez in Kansas city. ADP is about one Oh two. I realize he's catcher eligible. Um, how do you feel about him? Cause last year, I mean, the home runs were there. He had 18 home runs and 534 play appearances, but guy hit 217. Um, did hit the ball hard though. 44% hard contact, uh, about 10% barrel. Will be a catcher. Will play a lot. Batting average is good in the minors. Are you buying the last year was kind of a, a fluky batting average year? The Babbitt was a little bit low. He's going to hit 260, or do you think this 217 is concerning for you? I, I think I like him. I think I want him. Um, I like that he's going to play a lot of outfield. More at bats, you know. You just you're, you're trying to find. It's huge, it's huge with catchers. Yeah, um, I think he, he may not get the 260, but I think he does play a good amount. And he does hit better than the 217. I think he, his approach at the plate is good. I think he's going to lead off too. Yeah, I mean, That's, I, it's not a great lineup, but the top, the very top part of that lineup is fun. Yeah. I mean, between Melendez. And Pasquantino, Witt, and Sal Perez. That that's there's some fun there. And if he's in front of all those guys, um, great. You know, he hits well without the shift, is what Anthony is saying. So uh, that that yeah, I I want some Melendez. Yeah, uh, the funny thing is, I mean, he's kind of priced though. I mean, yes, you know, you're, he's going before Sean Murphy, who I really like a lot. Uh, he's going kind of in the same range as William Contreras, maybe a little early. He's going the same range as Alejandro Kirk, who everybody loves. Uh, although maybe not everybody because of the way Kirk finished la- the second half last year, but most people uh, love Kirk though. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I looked at the price and I looked at the batting average last year. I'm like, what am I doing here? And then I looked, as I looked deeper, I looked at 2021 and he was a really good average guy that year. Yeah. Um, doesn't, st- didn't, you know, struck out a lot early in his minor league career. And then after the, the COVID year, we didn't play. He had a really good strikeout rate in 2021. I mean, not in 21%. So good enough. Um, mm-hmm. Then it bumped up last year. I think maybe if that drops a little bit, the bat kind of goes back where it was and he's leading off. 
um, I think you sold me a little bit. And as I looked a little deeper, I was uh, I was a little more I was out right away, and then I again I looked a little deeper, and I'm uh, I'm probably uh, I think it's about the right price. Yep. You know, not everybody has to be a fade or a target. I think he's about about the right price there. Um, two more guys here before we get out of here. Nathaniel Lowe in Texas uh, had a nice breakout season last year. Uh, hit uh, what? What did he hit? Uh, how many? How many? Thirty-seven, twenty-seven home runs. Uh, hit three hundred two and six hundred forty-five plate appearances. Batting average, power, um, hard hit rate was good. The barrel rate was about ten percent. Dropped his K's nicely. Dropped his K rate down to about twenty-three percent. Um, the thing I noticed with Lowe, and I looked, I looked pretty deep at him because I was trying to figure out why the breakout came. Um, his walk rate went down five percent last year, from twelve percent to seven and a half percent. But you look at what he did; it was actually a change in his approach. His, his zone rate, his zone swing rate, up eight percent. So he's swinging at more pitches in the zone. His first pitch swing rate went from twenty-nine percent to forty-one percent. Like he was much more aggressive, and I just think he changed his approach and became a guy that I want to make stuff happen rather than he was a a big walk guy. And you know, you like walks, but. I like a guy who's aggressive early too. I mean, the battle was good last year, so it's probably going to go, he's not going to hit 300 again, but I think he's got a chance to hit 275, 280. I like the fact that he was attacking early. I mean, it really showed his power numbers and his batting average. I think you're right. Um, I'm curious to see if teams pitch him differently now, now that they notice that he's right. swinging more on the right. first you, You're pitch. saying I'm, I'm the only one, I'm not the only one that noticed this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Team, teams look at stats? Teams have propriety info that we don't even have, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah. Um. It's a good I, point. I, if that uh, if that adjusts back, like, hey, maybe we need to throw this guy a few more sliders on the first pitch. That's a so, it's an interesting point. It, you know, he might not just bring two sixty into play; it could go down to two forty. I mean, yeah. that that's the downside. All that said, I, I think the price is pretty reasonable. I, I think I want some of him. Uh, I do too. And we talk about this lineup is not overly long, but it's a, similar to I don't know what you mentioned with the Royals, like the top half of it is really good. Like if he's hitting, yeah. you know, he's hitting fourth behind, uh, you know, or hitting even third behind Semyon and Seager. And then, uh, you know, Adolis behind him, the back half of this lineup is pretty gross, but um, he's got guys on base hitting third here. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, another guy that I saw the price, I was like, well, five seems high. And then as I got deeper, I really like the change in approach. And it seems like he's a guy that really did, um, change his approach, which I like to see. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about. I want to. Uh, we'll, we'll finish with a red here, just because uh, I like you and I, I think you're a good dude. Um, oh, Hunter Green's ADP is one ten. He is a lot of fun to watch. Throws a million pitches over 100 miles an hour. One of those guys that like it's oh Hunter Green's pitching. I'm going to watch this game. Like I don't flip Reds games on a lot. Sorry Jeff, but you know when he's pitching or Lodolo's pitching, like I'm watching this game. 31 percent strikeout rate last year. 125 innings. Uh, walk rate was 9%. Swing strike rate, big for a starting pitcher at 14.5%. You know, fastball is 99 miles an hour on average, which shows you how many times he hits 100. Uh, gave some hard contract. He was a little, uh, he was down there, but you see that with guys who throw hard. Um, Hunter Green's ADP is 110, Jeff. I need you to tell me as a Reds fan, are you in or are you out at this price? I'm out at this price. Are you really? Uh, Why? The Reds suck. <laughs> the Reds suck and the ballpark sucks too. Yeah, the ballparks. Yeah, it, it's it's all bad. Um, he's good, but you know he's also wildly inconsistent. Uh, he, he could walk sixty guys this year in one hundred and forty innings. I don't know how many innings he throws. You know, I I think I prefer Lodolo, uh, especially for cost. Uh, I I think you know Green could be. I mean, he was they're, they're, awesome. They're the, he was awesome down the stretch. He was awesome down the stretch. Four uh, four earned runs total is last six starts to mind. Yeah. Um, I, I think the bullpen is going to blow games for him. The offense is pretty bad. You kind of made me sad on this one. I'm kind of sad on this one. I, I want to root for him. You know, I don't want to say you, mean things. 
to take the next step, are you are you someone that thinks he needs to develop that third pitch? Because he threw fifty four percent fastballs and forty one percent sliders last year. He threw five percent changeups, so pretty much a two pitch guy ninety five percent of the time. The, the the slider's awesome, one seventy batting batting average against thirty eight percent whiff rate in the slider. Do you think in order to be like that guy at this price and take that next step, he needs he needs that third pitch, or is it good enough that he can go two pitch? Um, I probably like to defer to better pitching experts than myself. Yeah. Like, go ask Nick Pollock what he thinks. Uh, that said, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to get that third pitch or not. I'd, I'd like to see him get it. Um, sometimes he never get it. You know, Homer Bailey yeah. never got that third pitch. Um, I, I don't want to use that as a comp. No, I don't either. But yeah, Homer Bailey had some really good years in Cincy. He just didn't get the, you know, he, he didn't meet the outrageous expectations that he had as like the great I, hope for the team. But I think I must have missed the good years because I know I had some two no hitters. I knew he had one. I didn't know. It's funny you say that. He had two years over 200 innings, whereas the ERA was under 3.7. So you're right. He had a couple of really good years in there. Yeah. He just, Homer Bailey's problem is he would get to 1 and 2, 0 oh and 2, and then not finish batters off. Yeah, so many that's times. frustrating. And that's, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I, I hate to bring that up as the comp because that's possible. But yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that had a, had a pretty good career and it, it ended badly. You know, obviously, those last couple of years and since he were really rough, but he wow. also had and he had a lot of injuries. That's the other thing. That's why you don't want to throw that shade on him, but on, on Green. But you uh, are you are the Reds fan here. How many innings does Hunter Green throw this year? I mean, let's throw like major injuries out of the out of the way. You're obviously, going to skip some start. Well, how many? We talking like 150? What do you? Th- what, what's your thing? Your I'd probably take the under on that. Um, I'd probably go like around 140 or so. Okay, because he threw 125 last year. Um, yeah, 140, 150 is probably right. In like, I mean, there, there, there is a scenario where he throws 180 and is awesome, and he wins 10 games. Uh, I but, don't think I don't think there's a scenario he throws 180 innings. I, I probably don't either. Okay. Um, there's probably a scenario he throws 155, 160. So if you think about it, pick 110. That's still like seventh or eighth round. Yeah, and it's there's probably a lot your, of, it's either your second starter or your third starter. And are you comfortable with 150 innings from your second or third starter? Probably not that many guys that throw that many innings in this range anymore in modern baseball. So yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. I have uh, just uh, like in his in his range at pitcher, we've got Luis Severino, we have Logan Gilbert, Nestor Cortez, Blake Snell. Um, I would take I definitely take George Kirby over him. He's a couple yes, I love George for Kirby. him. I do love yep. George Kirby too. Um, I'd probably take Severino over him. Um I'd probably take him over Cortez, though, but I'd probably take Blake Snell first, too. I take, I'd, Nestor. I'd take Nestor over Hunter yeah, Green. Yeah, I'm not getting Hunter Green this year because I would take Logan Webb over him, and he's 10 picks behind him, too. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I like him. I'm I just, rooting for Hunter Green, but yeah, I, just I can myself, root for him on somebody else's roster, too. I just kind of talked myself out of Hunter Green. Damn. Yeah. There you go. More because I do like guys around him. You got to figure that out, too. But he's, he's going in a range where he's got to be really good. Yeah. By the way, I, I'm loving the discussion on the pitcher names and what are good pitcher names and what are bad pitcher names and all that. And Josh Outman had to come up, so I know it's it's, it's Josh Outman sucked because he was a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> there, you said it. I said it. I said it. Sorry, Josh. Now no, I can't. Not. Be, I keep not sorry at all because the Dodgers have a James Outman now, so I can't. I can't hold that against him, who's a, no. a prospect in the outfield. But uh, yeah, I had a bad. Uh, I had a bad Josh Outman interaction, so I'm just gonna. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, he's, he, he would be my vote for worst pitcher name and worst pitcher. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Jeff, anybody else you want to talk about? We've gone a little bit long here. There's a lot of names I wanted to run by you, and it's uh, I feel like we, we hit a lot of them, hit a lot of good closer talk. Anything else on your mind as we get into uh, as get into real no, draft season? save here. it. We got yeah. a lot more to t- we got a long season to talk, so we, we do. Good. We have a, a lot of a lot of draft stuff to talk about. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you can again, please rate or view the podcast. Goes it helps us a lot a, a lot there. We want to thank uh, Fantrax, the most customizable free commission service in fantasy sports for the sponsorship, as well as Underdog Fantasy, home of the biggest best ball contest in the industry. If you want to follow Jeff on Twitter? He's at Jeff underscore Erickson. I am at Scott Jenstead. We really appreciate everybody listening. It's been very fun to uh, get back on the uh, on the airwaves here and do the podcast. I uh, I definitely miss doing it as much as it was nice to have a break. I missed uh, miss talking to Jeff, miss seeing all the comments and seeing all the nice stuff, and and just talking baseball with you. It's been it's always fun. Yeah, I know it's always reinvigorating when we do it. It is. It makes me. Uh, I, I feel like I took a nice break from draft season. Now I'm uh, I'm ready to get back in every every time we talk about it. So all right, the return look forward of striker. To- Look, oh God! Look forward to uh, look forward to chatting uh, next week. We'll be back at everybody next Sunday night. Hope everybody has a really good week and take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over thirty five, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.